There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Really, Dom? James Bond is coming back to the big screen in cinemas in the UK, and we're hoping to go to every one of the 25 films. Join us as we celebrate the 60th anniversary of our favourite British agents by watching them all in order. We hope you guys are watching them too, so please let us know your thoughts. You can find us on social media at Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, and our podcast is available on iTunes and Spotify, as well as video episodes on YouTube. Simply search for Really 007 Pod. In 2012, after the London Olympics, Bond was in his pomp and he hit the big time at the box office and beyond in Skyfall, part two. Are you putting your life in my hands again? Holmes already briefed me on the list, raising the tantalising question of what you're really doing here. My official directive was to help in any way I can. Like spying for Mallory. You know, Mallory's not as bad as you think. He's a bureaucrat. You should do your homework. Gareth Mallory was a lieutenant colonel. Lieutenant colonel in Northern Ireland Hereford Regiment. Spent three months at the hands of the IRA. <laughs> so, there's more to him than meets the eye. We'll see. Keep still. This is the tricky part. Hmm. Oh, that's better. You look the part now. Mm hmm. Mm. And what part's that? Old dog. New tricks. 
So I've just watched Skyfall. Unfortunately, I couldn't watch it at the cinema. I've not been feeling too great, so I, I watched it at home. Just a bit of background. When I watched Skyfall at the cinema in 2012, I came out of the cinema blown away. I thought it was one of the best cinematic experiences I can think I can ever remember, actually. I, I loved it from start to finish. I thought it looked beautiful. I thought it was thoroughly entertaining. I'd have put it as one of my absolute favourite Bond films. And for a long time, that was the same. I still absolutely love Skyfall as a spectacle. But over the past few years, having to sit back, think about a few things, possibly because of the intertwined stories that have happened after Skyfall, I've cooled off a bit on it, on some things. So watching it tonight, I watched it with my wife. I'm just going to give my assessment of what of Skyfall briefly. Firstly, it is brilliant entertainment from start to finish. For me, that doesn't change. I always enjoy watching this film. I think the pre-title sequence is brilliant. I think some of the stunt work, especially the motorcycling across the Grand Bazaar, is just superb. I think, for me, this is the most beautiful-looking film in the series. I think Roger Deakins does an absolutely outstanding job with this film. It is beautiful to watch, and I can only imagine watching it at the big screen tonight would have made it even more fun it's an incredibly cinematic film whilst the locations okay shanghai istanbul are very exotic locations to me one of the biggest strengths of this film is is that they take locations like london and they take and the scottish highlands and they make them incredibly cinematic bring out the beauty of them and the character of uh, of the UK, so to speak. And obviously in 2012, it was a time where we were all very proud to be British. We'd had the Olympics. And Skyfall really brings that pride, that national pride with it. I love the whole idea of let's, let's get involved on the tube. Let's bring some of those national treasures in. Let's see Bond running down Whitehall and Westminster and, and these areas that are just so synonymous with our nation and I think that that is such a great celebration and it doesn't feel small scale it feels incredibly cinematic unlike a lot of the really 007 crew I really love the song I think yes it is very Bondian and some people may argue buying by the numbers but I don't think that's fair I think Adele's voice is absolutely outstanding and so powerful I think the um, the backing vocals especially in the second chorus are not really something we've seen or heard in Bond songs before I, I, I love the song I, I, it's definitely my favorite out of the three slower songs that we've had recently and I think, especially when I first ever saw it at the cinema, the title credit sequence really complemented the epicness of the song. At the time, I'd have probably said that it, the title sequence was my favourite of Daniel Kleinman's. Over time, that's changed. I still think the palette is absolutely beautiful. However, it has diminished in future viewings, and I think that is possibly because it tells too much of the story in the title sequence. I think to the point that it loses a specific theme. With Casino Royale, there is a real theme 
of cards that goes out rather than telling a plot. And I think that if they'd have taken one specific aspect and honed in on that on the Skyfall one, I think I would still absolutely adore that title sequence to this day. But it's still very beautiful to look at. I love the not the callbacks to um, to previous Bonds. It's far more subtle than Die Another Day. I am in the minority of the really 007 lot that I love the idea of bringing the DBS back. I get this confusion in terms of him winning it a card game at Casino Royale and all the rest of it, but I think it was it, I think it hit the mark right for this film. The other major major positive of this film is the cast. I think Daniel Craig does very well for the Bond he is portraying in this film. I think Judy Dench is obviously given a massive platform to perform and as she does in every film is is brilliant. The the new characters include um that are um, shown to us, I think Mallory, I think Ralph Ray Fiennes is superb, really like Naomi Harris, and yes, Wiles Q does give that snobby line about exploding pens, which I don't like. I think Q Ben Wishaw does a brilliant job as Q in this film and the continuing films. And I think there is this element that he had to be a younger, cockier Bond because the whole theme of this film is old dog new tricks or whatever it is it's it's seeing his born war, bond worn out and therefore you have to have a a cue who uh, is technologically advanced to show to make the question is bond still relevant but to me the absolute outstanding performance in this film is javier bardem raul silver is a fantastic complex villain uh, i do appreciate and understand that there are possible uh, influences of the joker from the dark knight but there is a backstory to him he has been betrayed it's not just that he's a complete agent of chaos he's incredibly smart he's incredibly kooky i love his intro there is so much to love about him but whilst he is for me the biggest strength of the film it actually also has become the biggest gripe of the film and is the reason why this film is not one of my absolute favourite Bond films anymore. It's not a criticism of Silver because Silver is superb. The problem is, is that Silver is better than James Bond in every single way in this film. Raoul Silver does not fail at any part. He hacks into the system, he manages to blow up MI6 headquarters, he manages to lure Bond to his island without Bond realising and then getting deliberately captured to be brought back to London. He then manages to hack into the system that Q had created and escape killing the guards and then causing havoc around London. And whilst, yes, he failed to shoot... M in the in the court it's not because of Bond that he solves it's because of Mallory but what the problem is is that because this world of Bond is so small Silver's sole mission his sole purpose is revenge to kill M and that's what he does in the end Bond lures M to Scotland to defeat Silver and protect M and yet M still dies and my issue is is that in making Silver so great he's a far 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 better agent than bond in this film 
Because in this film, making a personal story about Bond and an attempt to humanise Bond and look into his backstory, whilst I, I uh, understand what they're trying to get at, what it actually does, unfortunately, is make James Bond a really rubbish secret agent in this film who fails his mission. His sole mission is to protect M. And at every single corner, Silver has him on a string. The only thing that Bond does right in this film that is not, like, manipulated by Silver is killing Patrice. And even that is portrayed as failure because he's annoyed that Patrice hasn't told him who, who has paid him. It doesn't really matter that Bond ends up killing Silver because Silver was willing to commit suicide if it meant killing M. And what I think that the problem with this is, is that whilst it is a one-off, or it was definitely supposed to be a one-off at the time, this film, Sam Mendes, is definitely trying to make something more than just a Bond film. He's trying to make a critically acclaimed film as opposed to a, a, an action, a just an action film. And it's a thoroughly brilliant entertainment. But if you are going to try and make something that really goes into the backstory and the psychology of a character, you have to make sure that everything is consistent. But you also have to be respectful to the character that has been previously written. And in doing that, he makes Bond a complete failure in this film. And that isn't a bond that we can get behind. And it's not a it's not a problem with Daniel Craig, because actually I think Daniel Craig does a very good job with what he's been given. It just doesn't make him a very aspirational character. The other frustration with it is, is that we've had two films before where one was be bomb becoming Bond in Casino Royale, and then him still being absolutely ridden with rage throughout the whole of Quantum of Solace. And then at the end of it, he says, I never came back. And then the next film, he's depressed and quit. And the whole point is irrelevant. And it feels to me that whilst that exploring that option is a really interesting story point, that should be Daniel Craig's final film. There should be some middle films in there that should be just standard missions to show Bond as a secret agent. All we've had is him being uh, the formative years, the quitting the rage, coming back, and next minute is irrelevant. To me, Skyfall would have been much better if it was the 60th anniversary film, actually. And I think it would have worked so much better as Daniel Craig's swan song as opposed to No Time to Die. But hindsight's a great thing, and, and you know, at the end of the day, I still admit that Skyfall is a thoroughly entertaining film that I really enjoy from start to finish and that looks beautiful. It's just those gripes definitely lowered my view of it. But, as I said, there was so much that I enjoyed about it and I don't want to tar completely everyone else's view of it with my thoughts because everyone's entitled to appreciate what they want and that's fair. And I know that on Twitter, this is some people's absolute favorite film and brilliant because it is a great, great film. But uh, for anyone who's watched it at the cinema, I hope you've enjoyed it and I'll look forward to hearing your thoughts. How oh, you're trying to remember your training now? What's the regulation to cover this? Well, first time for everything, yes. What makes you think this is my first time? Oh, Mr. Bond. 
All the physical stuff so dull, so dull. Chasing spice, oh, so old-fashioned. Your niece must be killing you. England, the Empire, MI6. <laughs> You're living in the ruin as well. You just don't know it yet. At least here, there are no old ladies giving orders and no little gadgets from those fools in Cuprand. If you wanted, you could pick your own secret missions, as I do. Hmm? Name it. Name it. Destabilize a multinational by manipulating stocks. But easy. Interrupt transmissions from a spy satellite over Kabul. Done. Mm, rig an election in Uganda. All to the highest bidder. Or a gas explosion in London. Mm -hmm. Just point and click. Well, everybody needs a hobby. So what's yours? Resurrection. Hello, this is Yvonne and Andy Curran, and on Sunday we went to see Skyfall at The View in Cheshire Oaks for a change, and it was a surprisingly empty screening. I think there's only six of us in total. Yeah, not many, not many there at all, but all, all the better for it. Private, private screening almost. <laughs> so Skyfall, 10 years, 10 years on? 10 years on, yeah, yeah, 2012. Still as good as it was when it first came out? I think it is, yeah, yeah, it sort of came on the back of the, the success of the Olympics really, didn't it? We'd, Everybody thought the Olympics was going to be a bit, be a bit rubbish, and then it surprised everybody by being not being rubbish on, on, <laughs> on the field, going on the field and, and off the field. And of course, you know, Bond played a little bit of a part in the the opening ceremony. With, yeah, with the mission with Her Majesty, with, with Her Majesty the the Queen. And it's it's sort of strange watching watching the film this week. We're, we're recording this just a couple of days after after the funeral of the Queen. Um, it's strange how many sort of visual parallels there are. In, in in Skyfall, completely unintentional, of course, but it, it starts with an obituary for, for Bond. You've got images of flags over coffins. You've got so many shots of, of London. There's hardly been a, a day this last last sort of two weeks when London hasn't featured in some way in the, in yeah, the, constantly. the funeral and the queue and everything like that. And you've got so many scenes of London in, in the film that, that sort of mirror, mirror what's been happening in in reality. Then you've got the main plot, well, Judy Dench making it as a main character in the film, and... Exactly. And spoiler, spoiler alert, dying at the end, there's the whole thing of the, you know, the, the death of a, of a matriarchal figure. Again, so many sort of unintentional parallels mm -hmm. with, with what's going on in, in the world at the at the moment. Judy Dench has played royalty. She's been Victoria, I don't think she's ever yeah, been. Yeah, no, no, yeah. no, but there's certainly those, those parallels with the, uh, with the film. And if you've got Judy Dench... Then you may as well, you know, give her a good send off and get her to quote a bit of bit of Tennyson. I think that is one of my favourite scenes in the film where she's at the, uh, the inquiry quoting Tennyson. Bond comes out of the tube station, starts sprinting up Whitehall. The music starts starts soaring. It's, you almost want to stand up and salute, don't you? It's, it's one of those good patriotic moments. Mm. It's not not the sort of the flag waving, not the jingoism. It it's just sort of Britain on its best. Yes, Bond at his best. Yes. 
uh, you know, it, I've, I've, you know, not wanted to stand up and salute like that since um, Roger Moore skied off a cliff at the start of the Spy Who Loved Me. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's that good. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, they they poke fun at that kind of patriotism as well by having the the very nasty bulldog Union flag ornament. So it's very self-aware. Yeah, that, it, that almost sort of comes back to to haunt Bond at the, <laughs> uh, at the end of the movie. I love seeing it on the cinema again. So we've seen it a few times, but to actually go back to see it on the cinema mm. and see the sound, hear the sound and the visuals, it's well worth it. I love the fight with the assassin China, I think it's Shanghai, mm-hmm. uh, at, the, at the top of the building. I, I know you're, you're particularly fascinated by the by the jellyfish. It's brilliant, you've got the silhouette of the fight and then it's just jellyfish just blubbles up. It's, yeah, it's beautiful. It. It's probably the most abstract and arty. That, Very stylish. That, that a, that a bond, bond Almost is, could be is, a Bond title sequence with the. Mm, yeah, I, I think that. Yeah, that that could that could work. Maybe better than the actual title yeah. sequence of the of the film. But yeah, yeah. And then you go from the the the, the technological sort of vista of, of Shanghai mm-hmm. to the uh, the beauty of, of Scotland and, and Glencoe yes. uh, in the, the sort of the final the final acts of the of the film. And Glencoe's where we were about a month ago. Yeah, we were we were looking enough to um, to holiday in Scotland. We didn't intentionally go looking for <laughs> Bond locations, but we we may have stumbled across the um, the actual Skyfall Road. If you if you Google James Bond Skyfall Road, you get the exact locations. <laughs> Thank you, Google Maps. Yeah, it's not quite as remote as you think. It is literally just to the left off the main road into into Glencoe towards a place called Glen Glen Etive. Mm-hmm. Apologies if I've got the pronunciation <laughs> of that wrong. Quite, um, quite a busy road with lots of people night camping. Yeah, lots of lots of walkers. Admittedly, it was it was the middle of August. It was the middle of the school holidays. The, the weather was quite a contrast to, to what you see in the film. We had bright sunshine and blue sky. Did unashamedly play the Skyfall soundtrack yes. at a full blast, going down a little one-track road, hoping that there was no nobody coming the other way. And we got the spot. We, we got we the... got we got the actual spot. We got the the passing place that the that they stop in in the and film. We got that photo. We, yeah, we did. We did the pose with the car. It doesn't quite work quite as well with a, an out-of-date Ford Focus <laughs> compared to Aston Martin. But but in our in our heads, yes, we were there. We were, yeah. we were, we were there. Um, it was quite amusing because about thirty seconds later, um, another car pulled up behind us. That again, I think they were doing the same thing. Yep. They were playing the Bond soundtrack <laughs> at full blast, and I think they were a little bit annoyed that we'd got there, got there before them. But oh, yeah. if, you're ever, if you're ever up that way, it is, <laughs> it is well worth doing. It's well worth a, well worth a visit. Uh, the Bond villain in this film, you got a slight obsession about during lockdown. Yeah, I don't quite know how this happened, but <laughs> one of the rewatches just somewhere, somewhere during lockdown, I suddenly started quoting sort of, oh, Mister Bond. <laughs> After anything of, <laughs> of note, really, even sort of opening of the fridge door would be followed by oh, Mr. Bond. <laughs> um, I don't quite know why, but but yeah, he he he's made an impression on me as old old Javier. Um, I think because he's such an unusual Bond villain, he's not the the mustached Merlin villain. Um, he's, he's got a genuine motive for doing what he's doing, unlike maybe Remy Malik in in No Time to Die, uh, mm. which is my one. One of my gripes, but another time. I, don't, I digress. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's got he's got a real good motive uh, for, for doing what he's doing. Um, I think it's when it's made personal, it becomes a, a better film. Yeah, yeah, I think it works works better. Quite a lot of parallels between 
that that scene where Bond's tied tied to the chair and you first see Silver. It's quite a similar sort of setup to to Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. Again, there's the sort of overtones of sexuality from the from the villain. You know, when Silver starts stroking Bond's Bond's legs, you sort of expect Bond to be a little bit uncomfortable with this, uh, but he, he deflects it with with humour. Mm-hmm. that's part of his arsenal. It's part of his armour. Uh, not letting the the villain in it in the same way that in Casino Royale he's sort of like I've got a scratch. <laughs> Do you mind? Uh, he, he's not he's not going to let the the villain you know have have the upper hand. And the the finale the the scenes at Skyfall are stunning. Again on the big screen you get full sound system which you cannot replicate at home. It's blasting no, not really among the neighbours. You would be very unpopular with the neighbours. Yes. Yeah, the, 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 the music playing from the helicopter, the the, the, the sort of the Gatling gun, the, the the rattle of that, again shaking the seats in the yeah. in the cinema. You really feel like you're yeah. you're in amongst the yeah, in amongst the action. And you, you feel it when when the Aston Martin blows up and you see Bond go right, no prisoners now. <laughs> <laughs> you can kill him, but, but you can't take me. Kill. <laughs> So we've enjoyed watching all these Bond films again. We have. This is this is probably going to be the last one that we see at the. I think so. We've seen the other ones too recently. But we've we've hugely enjoyed the process of a seeing these films and b thinking about them. Uh, yeah, I've got to say thank you for really 007 for asking us to contribute to this. Yeah, absolutely. It's made us think about why we've liked something or why we've disliked something, and yeah, we have some interesting discussions around the dinner table while we've yeah. been preparing for this. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 increased our appreciation of the uh, of the Bond movies. Yes, so roll on seventy years anniversary, and we can do it all again. Oh, Mister Bond! They're not nations; they're individuals. Look around you. Who do you fear? Can you see a face, a uniform, a flag? No. Our world is not more transparent now; it's more opaque. It's in the shadows. That's where we must do battle. So before you declare us irrelevant, ask yourselves, how safe do you feel? Just one more thing to say. My late husband was a great lover of poetry and um, I suppose some of it sunk in despite my best intentions. And here today I remember this, I think from Tennyson. We are not now that strength which in old days moved earth and heaven. That which we are, we are. One equal temper of heroic hearts, made weak by time and fate, but strong in will to strive, to seek, to find, and not to yield. It's week three of the Cray films. I'm back from my now regular slots with Chris Eels as we devour Skyfall. Now, full disclosure, I haven't been able to see it this week because, I think I explained to Chris last week, I missed the third film of each Bond at the cinema. So Goldfinger, then The Spy Love Me, then The World Is Not Enough, and then finally Skyfall. So at least I'm consistent. But I, I am disappointed not to see it again. It was the Bond film I've probably enjoyed most when I first saw it, you know, when it came out, since maybe, you know, maybe even Tomorrow Never Dies, Goldeneye. 
But Chris, as well, you you've seen it on your on your big screen, so you do qualify. Yes, so I watched it on Saturday night on my little big screen. It's absolutely terrific. As oh, good. As you follow on from the muddied water of Quantum of Solace, this is breath of fresh air, a ray of sunshine, absolute tonic for the soul. Whatever relative yeah. <laughs> I could come up with, I would give it. It is just, it's terrific. Why they can't crack something of this quality out every two years, I don't know. But that's the situation we're in. This is, I would say, Craig's high watermark. I like the pre-title sequence, but then I don't like the Bond dying again, retiring and being an absolute Mardi arse. I really don't like that. <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> It's a bit jarring that he's he's now at the in his last legs, and we discussed, I think, before. It'd be nice to have had two films in between, not necessarily in 2010 or 29, but to get the narrative leap from two in a row back to back at the start of his service to here we go, lads. This is near the end of him. So you've got you've well, got to just take it as a one-off, haven't you? I think. I remember people saying, "Oh, it would have been great if we'd have had an extra Pierce Brosnan film." And now you're saying oh, it would have been good to have a film in between Quantum yeah. and yeah. Skyfall. I know there's been a strong argument made for maybe the computer games are the ones, are those missing films. The Pierce Brosnan one where he, was it everything and everything or nothing? Yeah, everything on the film. It's supposed to be a yeah. terrific 20, game. And the narrative is really yeah. strong. And it's that thing of, yeah. is his other Bond film. Craig did a game as well. Is it Bloodstone? That's it, yeah, yeah. And that's the, these are the missing stories in their tenure that we never got. So, you know, I say I'm not a gamer. Maybe I should go and try these bloody things and see. I know, I know. <laughs> so when you first saw Skyfall, Chris, what, what were you, were you sort of going into it with a bit more oomph, wasn't there? There was the, the Olympics, Bond was a bit more mass appeal, wasn't it? It was a bit more positivity around it. There was a little bit more excitement around it because of, from what I can remember, the director and the DOP and the casting was just all a little bit more. Obviously, we got no idea of the plot, but just, yeah. you know, the crew just seemed a little bit more like, oh, hang on. They've got Roger Deakins as cinematographer. Yeah. The director is Sam Mendes. Sam Mendes yeah. Thank you. You know, and it was just that thing of, hang on, this feels a little bit more special. There's a little bit of a more of a tingle in, in the air. Having seen it and coming out of it, you're sort of like, Wow, that was absolutely terrific. That was a proper roller coaster thrill ride. As I said before, why can't they all be like this? Why can't they be this good? I think also we knew going into it, oh, there's a money penny and there's a queue. And that does help, doesn't it? Sort of return the, the classic elements being gradually gone into it. Yes. I can't remember if we were told that they would be introduced or that they would be there, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think we knew it was Q. I think we did know that one. But it was the whole rubbish, oh, we won't say it's money penny. Yeah. I mean, why? The origins. You might as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Who? They did it with Blofeld again, didn't they? Like, yeah, we know it's Blofeld. You've just got the yeah, rights back. <laughs> I know you're not a fan of that. I, I'm not going to talk about Blofeld until I absolutely have to next week. Watching it back, suddenly realising the whole plot, the whole film could have not happened if Moneypenny was a better shot. I know. If she'd have shot the guy rather than Bond on the train, the whole of the film would not have needed to happen. It's yeah. like a weird origin story that if, if you look at it, it's quite 
I mean, it's sexist, isn't it? Really. I mean, she she's like a an ace agent in the field. She cocks it up a bit, and then the moral of the story is she's not good enough. She needs to stay in the office. Stay behind the desk. <laughs> That's it, isn't it? Really. It's not... How did Harry Lincoln phrase... put it? Woman, know yeah. your place. <laughs> Yes, what it is, yeah. Outrageous. It's not exactly progressive, as the term goes, is it? But No, but then again, when has, when has <laughs> Bond been progressive? No. Oh, a I, woman. Well, as soon as you try, you try and be progressive. But yeah, what do you think about Naomi Harris to start with then as Moneypenny? I think she's an excellent choice. She doesn't outstay her welcome. She's in it just the right amount in that sort of... If you come to it cold and you don't know, she's this agent that makes a mistake shoots Bond, and then when she turns up again in Macau? Or is she at the... Yes. She's at the Macau Hotel. And when she turns up later for the shaving, their chemistry is so good, it absolutely crackles. And they just... They can hold each other's gaze. And it's not as if when Bond and a woman look at each other and hold each other's eye in other scenes, oh, who's got the upper hand? Oh, Bond's certainly in control here. In this scene, oh, okay, is he trying to seduce her? Is he trying to figure out if she's his equal? There's a lot going on, and it really, really works. And as he says, when uh, she's in the casino, she looks fabulous in that dress. She certainly does, certainly yeah. Does. Then she comes to the rescue with the suitcase. Unfortunately, that's it. It's that weird thing of, <laughs> yeah. if we'd have had more of them together, would it have been good? Would it have been overkill? I don't know. But would it sort of ruin the... If there was too much between them, then you can't really buy it as the money penny character who's going to become not be with Bob. Yeah. You can't end it thinking, <clears throat> oh, I wish they'd get together permanently, can you? Between the shaving scene and the casino scene, what happened? Right, thank you. I was just about to ask you that. What do you think and in our Sky- What do you think happened? Well, in our Skyfall review, Chris just, just cockily just said, that's not you, that's uh, Chris Goldie. He just sort of said, oh, yeah, I think they sleep together. I was like, what? I've never even I've never even considered that. I couldn't even it had never even entered my head that they had. Someone else was like, Yeah, definitely, yeah. And then another person was like, oh, I don't think so. And I was like, Oh gosh. My mind is mush. Watching it again since then, I think it's done deliberately, isn't it? It's done deliberately to not be explicit so that you can make your own minds up. But it's their little secret, isn't it? And it almost explains if they did sleep together, it explains why there's that constant oh let's do this again, or there's something belying it, there's something under, under underneath it. But equally, if they didn't do it, they know they, they could have done, and they've got that lovely little secret that they're playing out together throughout the rest of the films. If you consider it the same character as Lois Maxwell, you know. I consider it as, sounds awful to say, the prequel to Lois Maxwell, because yeah. Oh, yeah. Lois, yeah. bless her, will forever in our hearts. But you're absolutely right. It is purposefully ambiguous, I don't think it's so overt to say, oh, yeah, they did it. And <laughs> I think that, or at least, yeah, foie. I think it's, <laughs> I hope that it's designed to be ambiguous because there's that wonderful frisson, that electric yeah. little tease between the two of them throughout all of the films in the past. All of the all of Lewis's lines are just run through my head as soon as, I see yeah. them two together in that shaving scene and that sort of build-up of this is the... And I kind of don't want them to... I don't want them to have done anything. It should be a... How uh, how they put it in uh, The World Is Not Enough. 
close but no cigar. Yes. We've all had people in our lives in the past where we've had casual ongoing flirtations. Put your eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not us listeners, just for full discretion. Yeah. But you don't know. We, we leave it open to the <laughs> listeners. Yeah, it is, it is that, isn't it? And it, it's sexy when it's that not knowing the flirting it's... exactly i don't think they did anything i hope they didn't did any, mm. did anything i want it to be that kind of just electric energy between the two of them and that's it yeah because to have done it <laughs> soils all of that lewis maxwell golden energy and i know that she is it i think it's inspector there's some do you either see a bit like M, you know, some some guy in a bed, or she's just been seeing somebody. There is some kind of yes. you know, oh, who was that? It's just while they're on the phone in row, isn't it? Just during exciting car chase, they're just <laughs> these casual aside. Well, this seems now to be a thing of the uh, of the Craig films because you get in uh, Casino Royale, M is in bed, and there's man, yeah. the silhouette of a man <laughs> yeah. on, on the other side is like, oh, okay, so. <laughs> It actually reminds me, this is sad, I don't know whether you... Are you a fan of the X-Files, Chris? I've seen a few of them. Because in the very first episode, the pilot episode, it had Scully in bed, you know, sort of answering the phone, and there was a guy next to her. Because I think at that stage they hadn't decided whether or not to... It's the, Again, well, they're, they're the same, aren't they? Yeah. There's that sort of lovely little energy, and perhaps it is spoiled when they do get together. But I'd, I don't think... it's. I quite like how M doesn't address it, say, in this film. She, It doesn't... When they come back, oh, well, I heard what you did to that poor young lady. And, you know, a bit like in Goldeneye, that young lady I sent to evaluate you. It's, it, I'm glad it's not treated like that. It's, again, there's no mention of it for you, audience. The pre-title sequence immediately sort of sets out the stall for this film. From that shot where he's walking down the corridor, it's just how good does this look? It's shot and framed beautifully. And you get right up into his big blue eyes, which have been a signature of the whole series. Daniel Craig's blue eyes just shine like Peter O'Toole in Lawrence of Arabia. Those eyes are just electric. And then as soon as we're sort of, you know, he does that rather surprisingly tender caring for the agent that's been shot. Make yeah. sure he's okay. Call the ambulance. And then we're off. And then there's that Patrice, this assassin, this unknown assassin at the time. And he's got this gun with this weird twin clips. Like even his little handgun looks different and super cool. The chase through the bazaar, well, through the market with this big Land Rover. And then suddenly onto motorbikes, then onto the rooftop and then through a glass window and then through the bazaar. And it's just... Bang, 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 bang. And you sort of feel like, oh, are we getting back into Quantum of Solace territory? But it's all cohesive and it's that little bit slower and it all makes sense and it all works. I always love crashing onto the train. Bond crashes his bike into the side of the bridge to throw himself onto the train. And then Moneypenny's line when M is asking what's going on. It's rather hard to explain. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I think that is one of the most underappreciated lines in, it is, in the it? franchise. Really because how do you explain the digger holding onto a train with yeah. him running across? And yeah. it, it just up and up until that point, I think that is 
Daniel Craig's sort of Roger Moore moment of yes. crazy Bondness. It's really, really good. It just works. And then they're on the top of the train fighting and... Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. As I said, the whole of the film could have been avoided if Money Penny would have been a better shot. But Bond falls off the bridge, into the water, into the title sequence, into Adele's absolutely banging song which makes no sense whatsoever if you listen to the lyrics <laughs> properly because the number of times she says references skyfall what does it mean where is it who are we what's going on she embraces her inner shirley bassey as we should all do from time to time and knocks <laughs> it completely out of the park and it is terrific and that is again it's it's a crowd pleaser isn't it and uh, for the sort of outside bomb fans like i say who aren't obsessed with the minutiae. I think it works well for them too. It brings them all in. It brings everyone. It brings in the the, the big fans and, and the day visitors. It's great. And then the titles as well. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's super. Really, really good how it's just this continuous zoom from one thing to another to another and everything comes flashing past us. There's no cuts in it. It's beautiful. And even with a portent of things to come, I didn't notice it on even the bloody hell the fourth or fifth time I watched the film. But when Judy Dench's uh, credit comes up, that is when we dive into the grave. Ah, right. Okay, I've not noticed. So that. it's a link, a little Easter egg of yeah, what's to come. Harrowing. It, it is very clever, isn't it? And it, Daniel Kleiman goes into the story a lot more than Morris Binder, doesn't he, with his titles? They, they sort of follow the plot and the characters a little bit more, especially here. And No Time Today as well, actually, to be fair. Yes, there's... Uh, <laughs> Daniel Kleiman is brilliant. He doesn't follow the Morris Binder school of how many well, no. can I get into this without ending yeah. <laughs> the censors. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's good, though, because it's the, the sort of very traditional... <laughs> But we've moved on, you know. We it's a bit we can't really do that anymore, can we? Doing it this way, I think my own my only complaint is not it's not because it's him. It's just on all of the Daniel Craig films, it's all centered on him, isn't it? He's he's like the equivalent of the women. He's the, not in a lecherous way. It's not like he's naked or anything. Apart from Inspector, that weird topless shot of him, and then he becomes an octopus. But anyway, we'll get we'll get we'll get to that next week. But it's. And especially the blue eyes, you know, that really figures, doesn't it? And a lot of it, like you've said, it's that image of his bond. And I suppose the stories are far more centred around him. So it does work. But I, I I, think it's a great title sequence. I like the name Skyfall. I think it sounds really Bond. Without having the word die in it, it's quite hard, isn't it, these days for them to come up with anything original. So I, I appreciated the, the name. And people don't really say that, do they? It just sounds Bond. It's a good one-word 
name for a Bond film. It does sound very yeah. Fleming. It does sound very yes in keeping with the franchise. It's good. It is really good. So go on right now. Where are where we? are we? We just. <laughs> Bond I didn't, I didn't mean for this to descend into a, <laughs> a blow-by-blow of the film. It's Jesus, the, yeah. You see what comes of all this running around, Mr. Bond? All this jumping and fighting, it's exhausting. Relax. You need to relax. calling I'll give her a goodbye kiss for you then we're in London M is trying to pick up the pieces of the mission suddenly gets these messages and she has to race back to MI6 in Vauxhall and the huge explosion at the building and I just think it's great to see the special effects team from Die Another Gay Die Another Day getting a bit more work because <laughs> That really looks terrible. It's not just me. Oh, oh right, okay. <laughs> when MI6 blows up, that is shonky, properly shonky. And we had it in The World Is Not Enough, didn't we? And it was practical, that. Well, yeah, then it, but then it wasn't so big either. It was just a little bit of a wall blown out. It, yeah, yeah, it wasn't the full. So it's not aged well when you've seen it again. No, I don't think it's aged well. It's It looks laid on. It looks very, as I say, it looks... Die Another Day-esque. It's not, it's not in keeping because everything in the film has this look, this grain, this texture. Mm. And then suddenly you get this bright explosion and it's laid on. Certainly when you compare it to explosions later in the film, get yeah. to, that look really, really good. There's the, the other CGI stuff. I, I assume that Scorpion is CGI. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What is going on with that scorpion? I mean, what is the what? What is the scorpion drink scene? Is he? It's a Heineken advert. I don't really think there's any anything else to to worry yourself with there, Chris. Yeah. Is this? <laughs> no, I don't know. Why, I don't know why he's so depressed. That's my problem with this this sort of first act. I don't buy that he's so depressed, and I don't understand why he suddenly isn't depressed. Nothing really. Nothing enough happens yeah. either change for it's not really a thing and you know the concept of the whole scorpion drinks thing is he now christopher walken and the deer hunter playing roulette yeah. that's really yeah. what it is because people yeah. are betting on if he's going to get stung or not and as we know from winton kid nature's greatest killer oh it brings back great memories and it well it was the 50th anniversary wasn't it? indeed i don't think it does a it does a little bit of bond homage but it's not dying of the day where it's one every few seconds in the background as well. No, it's not slapping it across your face with a wet kipper. It's uh, a little more <laughs> subtle than that. The fish slapping down. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's back in M's apartment after he, you know, Bond, don't ever break into my apartment again. Yep, sorry, mate. Sorry, going to do it again. We'll, <laughs> yeah, we're going there straight away, yes. It's all cinematic language, all this. You know, it's why would M be writing his obituary? It doesn't make sense. You know, she, she wouldn't really be the one doing that. But it all... Leads up to the whole rebirth. He's back, and um, and the, and the it's it, the good scenes in the sort of replacement MI6, which I love that location. The good scenes that you know he can't shoot straight now. Yes, and he struggles with a medical. 
he's got a grey stubble, you know, he's, he's, he's past it or whatever. Well, it's the, you're right, the new MI6 is, I say, replacement MI6 is very good. Yeah, new digs. And we've got Tanner giving us this, he is exposition central at the moment throughout yes. all of the exercise and the target practice. The target practice is great. I think it's really, really good. You see the, the alcoholic shimmer on the gun that Bond is holding. Just gives you that hint of, okay, this guy really is gone to seed a little bit. Yeah. But then it's followed by this psychological analysis. World oh, yeah. There's absolutely terrible terrible oh right okay. <laughs> it's what i thought you were gonna say it's classic no it's, it's an absolute turd of a scene because it does nothing <laughs> except to say oh we're gonna say the name of the film and this is the reaction that yeah. it's gonna get us doesn't it's mean very trailer it's yeah. so trailer oh brilliant oh, this is it's very awful it's absolutely <laughs> awful but then and then we get the scene where he digs the bullet out of his uh, yeah. shoulder chest you're trying to tell me that he's been in the far east with scorpions running up his arm while he's left a bit of a bullet in there a radioactive bullet that we find out yeah. maybe that's why he's been so freaking grumpy <laughs> it's just absolutely ridiculous let me say this actually he still looks really good this stubble version of bond oh yeah yeah the- in the SIS blue training sweatsuit. It's look. It's a real look. In this film, you do get several classic Bond looks that have stood yeah. stood up, and one of them is that the stubble with the out with the blue tracksuit. And we will always go into bat for the the barber jacket. We think that's probably the most the best Craig has ever looked as Bond. You're right, good. You've if, got it. if I may turn to page four of my notes. <laughs> my extensive notes that I have here. Barber jacket look, yeah. top fashion from Craig. That Absolutely. Yeah, that barber jacket is tippity top. Because the suits are very tight and small and I know some the, the fashionable at the time and I don't, it's all to sort of bring out his body, isn't it? It is, but uh, but it is appreciated I, from the, I'm, the, the female way. and some male The male days. Yes. We we I'm worship so. the la- the trousers that cling to him. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, do, he does look good in this film, and he's what he's in his forties now, isn't he? Mid forties, probably. Is this Pete Craig look? I think this is. I yeah, I really think yeah. this is. In every, even when he's in the outfit of the chauffeur, just in the car with the cap and the <laughs> sweater with the jacket, sure, sort of like, yeah, I want you to pull up to my bumper. That's. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> He's got a bit of a, a bit of a bad press in the really 007 offices, that one, I'm afraid. Because he looks so conspicuous. <laughs> Have you ever had a chauffeur that good looking? It's like, yeah, okay, maybe. Well, <laughs> yeah, so the, the fight we get with Patrice is one that often is seen as a, it's stylistically excellent, isn't it? And the shots, the lighting scene what do you, what do you make of the actual fight though the fight itself is visceral violent right in your face right now and it's over so quickly so you know there's like three or four punches the glass is smashed and then he's hanging out of the window it's over in a flash there is there is that shot of them in silhouette from a from a distance with the blue something neon in the background. Yeah, the jellyfish. It's one of those iconic shots of the film. I don't like bandying around the word iconic too much because yeah. iconic is supposed to be special, unique, but 
this film seems to have so many iconic Daniel Craig Bond shots that it's overloaded almost. But this is definitely yeah. one of them. Along with at the very beginning when he's walking down the corridor and then comes into focus with the blue eyes. Yeah. That is one of the shots. The him on the rooftop with the flags fluttering later that we'll get to is oh, one yeah. of the shots. This fight yeah. silhouette. I mean, the fact that I think one of the most overlooked points just before the fight, when the guy's going up in the lift, and then we've got that sudden Bond is running up to the lift, he jumps, and then he grabs hold, and then he's just lifted up. The Batman suit. Yeah, he just suddenly, whoa, hang on, he's he's a wife. Yeah. And then suddenly we're however many, 30, 40 stories up, Bond is hanging oh, under the lift. And he's two days ago pulled a bullet out from his shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're expecting me to believe that he's hanging on and he's done a jump like that. What? But it looks so cool and it's so slickly done and it's so, yeah. You just go along with it. Do you think the actions, I don't, what do you think about Sam Mendes in action? Do you think it's, because obviously the, the fights are quite a prevalent part of the first two Craig films. We've still got a little bit of that. They're dotted around. They're not as, the, the action scenes aren't as extensive, are they? You know, there's nothing like the Miami airport or... But that, I'm not saying that's a, that's a bad thing. No, the ex, as far as extended scenes goes, they are few and far between. I would be interested to know how much he relied on his second unit or his action stunt coordinators for the fight scene. Because he's never done anything like this, has he? Exactly. So The drama, the long chases, the structure of... The scene, obviously he's got that down and it's terrific, but the violence up close, these fight scenes that we're talking about. Yeah, I would question how much is him, how much is him relying on the experience and knowledge of others. And there's nothing wrong with that. There is absolutely nothing wrong no, with that. But the dialogue scenes are probably what he would be brought to for. And I know that's what it was thought of for Michael Apted, wasn't it? For The World Is Not Enough. We get that kind of lovely sort of dialogue scene with him and Severine at the casino. Promises so much for that character and I just think they, they drop the ball, don't they? They don't really... I feel really sorry for her. She's a tragic character and she has a tragic end and Bond doesn't seem that bothered. Their exchange at the bar in the casino is terrific and how confident and full of swagger Craig is compared to yeah. how tentative and inquisitive and then suddenly nervous she becomes. Like the shake of Bond's gun during the shooting range scene earlier, the way she smokes her cigarette when Bond brings up the subject of whoever is controlling her, yeah. suddenly she's trembling and there's that She's trying to control her fear and trying to... But it's projecting and it's acting and it's really handled terrifically well. And you're right. It is a shame that she is almost cast aside. She is abused by Bond, ultimately. That I have oh, you, yeah. really, really difficulty in with watching uh, them in the shower on the boat. Yeah. Sexual abuse survivor just... This guy just walked, yeah, and he just heard walks into the shower with her. I mean, it's almost as bad as the scene in Thunderball in the sauna. Certainly the morning after, when we see him on the deck of the boat. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful boat. Oh, I know. It's yeah. absolutely, it's one, it, it looks like one of those fantastic J-class racing boats. They're just absolutely magnificent. But when he's on deck, the white 
shirt and the tuxedo trousers and there's a really strong Roger Moore for your eyes only on the yeah. beach with the yeah. Contessa sort of vibe the, oh. the morning after the night yeah, before that was handled tenderly it doesn't need to have been a gratuitous in the shower it, as you say it could have been a kiss and a hold and a you don't even have to have hinted that they've done anything or it could have been left ambiguous but they're like it, in our face like a wet fish <laughs> Because again, there's, there's no real Bond girl. There, there isn't really a Bond girl in Quantum because he's still getting over Vesper. Camille is more an ally, like I said last week, and uh, someone helping him along. Money Penny and Severine are the Bond girls, aren't they, per se? But they're neither. They're both secondary Bond girls. I know people will say M is the Bond girl, but it's not. It's not as simple as that, is it? It's not. It's more a case of M is the MacGuffin yes. leading the yeah. Bond. That leaves a hole for the lead Bond girl. I don't know. Maybe Silver is the Bond girl in this. Mm, yeah. As we've said, when he's touching him in the chair and is, you know, is this yeah. the first time? I need to know your thoughts on this. Overdue interpretation. I've perceived Silver as a homosexual. And I would perceive Daniel Craig's comments of what makes you think this is my first time as a genuine comment. Wow. Okay. Right. So I think in Bond's missions in the past, he would have been expected to play a homosexual or bisexual. I not even thought about Or that. anything yeah. like yeah, that. You know, it's, when you're on a mission, you're expected to do things and play the part and all the rest of it. So he would have <laughs> yes, done that. Absolutely. Yeah. That means that he himself is straight or gay or bi, whatever. But so That's really interesting. That. Those lines open up a whole world of... Yeah, possibly. It would be an interesting mission where Bond has to, yeah, like you say, pose or pose as someone to get in with some kind of villain, and that's a way in. Because let's be honest, he uses his sexuality with women, doesn't he, all the time? Often enough, yes. To get so why in. would it not? Yeah, play, yeah. Play it straight, play it gay. Yeah, yeah. That'd be that's an interesting take that for a, another another film, wouldn't it? That'd be good, great. That. How, how do you find Javier Bardem as a, as a villain? I think he's absolutely magnificent. I wonder really? if, would he have been cast had he not done No Country for Old Men? Mm. No, because it's recent Oscar winners. Yeah, that is what's brought him up to everyone's attention. But he dives into the role and chews the scenery with absolute gusto, but not yeah. hammily. Hammily? Hammy? In a hammy way? Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I know what you mean. I'm not sure what the word is, but yes. But he's very different to No Country for Old Men because that he's he's an absolute nutter. He's absolutely terrifying. That here he's more charming. He's still scary, but there's there's more charm. There is more charm, and there's more camp. There's more of a theatrical yeah. flourish to everything. He relishes the speech about the last rat, the mother complex that he has with M feeds into so much of a background that we just don't get to see. It's really, really good. He is phenomenal in the role, and he should be raised up in sort of top-tier Bond villain. Yeah. He really, really should. And the... I don't like talking forward in the series rather than back, but what they do to him in the next film, tying him in as a Spectre agent is just absolutely terrible and it just it's Agreed. a complete yeah. misstep it's a complete misstep but he is phenomenal and he holds your attention 
when he's on the screen, you are looking at him and you are worried about what he is going to do next. Even more so in those moments when his plan has gone wrong and he doesn't know what he's going to do next, that he becomes really frightening. Because, as we'll get to in the courtroom scene, where suddenly the gas is filling the room and he can't see M and he can't, he doesn't know what he's shooting at. And there's that look of, oh, my plan's come undone. Suddenly yeah. he shoots the man next to him and then he runs out the building. And, it, yeah. you know, there's a, I don't know what the word is, is not unhinged, but there's a moment where he's not sure his plan has fallen apart. He's lost control mm. and he's grappling with what needs to be done. And that is when he's at his most terrifying almost. We've had a few villains like that, haven't we? We've had Sanchez is very in control, and then towards the end, he's losing it. He's still terrifying, and he'll he'll happily just kill Truman Lodge, just like that, won't he? You know, because the anger is now so much. And Zorin, I suppose, Zorin's a bit like that, isn't it? It's that larger-than-life quality where they are psychopaths. That they know it though; they're fully aware of it. Yeah. And they use it to their advantage. It's great. He's a great villain. He is. My only disappointment is that there's no real end confrontation. It's just like just stabbing the back off screen, and that's it. Yeah, he's not a he's not a physical threat to Daniel Craig. But then again, who is double O agent though? So he must he must be quite handy. Is he a double O agent? Is he not? No, I, thought I he don't was. know. He was just a local operative. He's just a local tech guy. He must have been trained, wasn't he? Yeah, he's got to have some skills. He knows what he's doing. But he's obviously quite impressive when he's addressed as a policeman. But he just cannot when it comes to it. He oh, just can't kill him. Yeah. It's really interesting. And it happens twice: once in the courtroom, and then once later when they're in the chapel. It's he wants to kill himself, doesn't he? At the same time. I think Judy Dench, this is her ascendance. This is absolutely magnificent. You thought, oh, okay, in The World Is Not Enough, that was sort of the most that she was going to get as a character, and the rest is sort of back to being in the office and the occasional on-location briefing. But this time, it is full-on relying on her as a character, as a talented actor, to be able to carry her part of the film. And she does so absolutely magnificently and it's a great character arc isn't it the sort of real from the sort of horrible words to each other throughout the last couple of films but but there's always a nice sort of i respect you that's that's ongoing yes. and even at the start of skyfall it's like pissed off with him when he comes back and she's not really shown much love for him and written him off in a way doing the obituary it's like the relationship grows isn't it through the journey to skyfall in the car and they have these nice chats they meet father christmas you know along the way and they <laughs> but I, I do i do love it i i, I think and the denouement you know with the in the chapel it's all very yeah it's all very religious again it's all and, and mother and there's a lot of themes going on here and you do buy that bond does love her doesn't he he it's more than respect i think he does love her by the end yes yes i think it is love by the end but it is a hard journey that they go on together. And when yeah, yeah. I think she realizes that sooner when he turns up at the courtroom and rescues her, there's the shootout and he packages yeah. her away in the car. She is resigned to, okay, I'm the bait with, this is how it's got to be done now. Yeah. Yeah. She is. She is on board. The whole sequence on 
the underground leading to the courtroom shootout is terrific. I think the underground train passing through those caverns is absolutely excessive and totally unnecessary but completely wonderful with it. I mean, what is your what is your thoughts on the whole underground? Yeah, I think, I think again, if you just if you just don't think too much about it, about how silly and unrealistic it is, it's really exciting and it works. It works well. And it, yes, that bit where the, the the train chases him is a bit corry when they had that tram disaster, but it works within the scene. And you've got I, I do like the, the the looks from the passersby. That's very John Glenn, very octopusy. <laughs> oh, he was in the rough. I, I like all that. I like the chasing. I, I always like it when it's very busy. It looks real. You know, the, the busy underground, and you can see, you know, the frustration and him hiding and going through these secret passages and everything. If they'd have inserted, I love it. If they'd have inserted a double taking pigeon as he was running to jump <laughs> onto the train, yeah, it would have cheers worked. in the cinemas. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's no, more it, of a fantasy than a reality. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the most fun action sequence in the entire probably in the entire Craig run I know people will say Cuba maybe in No Time to Die I'd, I'd have to revisit that again but that is all in one confined space this is like going through a few different places yes. and it gradually gets more and more serious and it is quite you know it's pretty serious in the courtroom in the inquiry well Tennyson Tennyson yeah and the music bill oh it's Thomas Newman what, what do we what do we think about Thomas Newman Controversial? Controversial at the time, but when you listen back to it, it absolutely, he hits every theme with the right score. It's just exemplary. Is I, I, can't, I can't say a bad word about it. The moment later on, which as a petrol head, absolutely breaks my heart. Oh, gosh. You know what I'm going to say? I know what you're going to say, yeah, yeah. When Silver points towards the Aston Martin and the helicopter strafes it from above and it blows up oh i just died inside i was just <laughs> terrible terrible but then the look on daniel craig's face when he realizes what happens of that pure anger of do not fuck with my car yes absolutely <laughs> and the music kicks in perfectly you'd get that just enough of a hint of the bond theme to be like yeah right now it's serious and it's wonderful yeah. and it's those sort of moments the, it's those sort of moments that we should have had in Goldeneye, quite frankly. Don't know why we didn't have... Oh, you mean with the car? Exactly. Well, just in general. Yeah, you yeah. Know, it just, yeah. Goldeneye's well, soundtrack is still a touchy subject among many people I know. It is, yeah, yeah. Uh, to be honest, I've heard, I've heard a lot more abuse for Goldeneye, the soundtrack, than this soundtrack. But I've probably heard a lot more praise as well. I've, not, I, I've never heard anyone praise it as much as you have just then. So it's really refreshing what, to hear What, this soundtrack? Yeah, yeah. I think this soundtrack is Even terrific. Though- he got nominated for an Oscar, unlike any of John Barry's. But that's not fair on... Thomas Newman, I think, is a terrific composer. That's not fair on John Barry. John Barry should have received something yeah, of recognition course. for all of his years of work. I think a few Bond fans are obviously so allied to David Arnold, they feel a bit miffed that he wasn't allowed. And It's obviously the director-composer relationship with Sam Mendes. I don't know. It's it's not. It wouldn't be my... It wouldn't be... One of the better soundtracks for me. It works perfectly well within the film. There's nothing. There's nothing too jarring. There's there's, there's some good bits in it. I like the. I think Thomas Newman is far better at like melody and a lo- most of the soundtracks I love of his. He's so good at, at melody. So with the Severine scene at the the bar, that's just lovely. And there's a similar piece with Bond and Madeline in the train where 
it, it is it is top notch. I think the action goes a bit Dark Knighty, goes a bit Zimmery. Yeah. And then of course you get it in No Time to Die full for, for the real thing, don't we? Yeah. When they're approaching the island on the boat, it's a sweeping score and a sweeping yeah, melody. Yeah. So he's he knows where what to do at the right points. It's maybe it's a little bit easy he's not sort of stretching formula too much but yeah. when the film's this good just go with it it's not it's not a bad thing this is cheer me up um now what are your thoughts okay. on bringing back the aston martin in this way yeah because it's not the aston martin of casino royale no it isn't i was just about to say I, we did an episode where we interviewed the publisher of the book, which has gone through the history of the Aston Martin throughout all the all the Bond films. Which is that's worth a listen. I think he's in the in the in the mould. Of course, he's going to big it up, but it's part of that bringing the history of Bond back and the old and the new. The old and the new is a massive theme, isn't it? In this film, that's the main theme, in fact, of the whole film. It's clearly a nod that this is, and you get it with in No Time to Die, don't you? With the the Living Daylights car, the sort of relics that are brought out. You know, there's a little joke about the ejector seat. They're good gags for the passive Bond fan, you know, who wouldn't really care about continuity and things like that. And it's a knowing, it's a, a joke to the audience that wouldn't happen in real life, if you know what I mean, within that storyline. But it it works cinematically, as we keep saying. It does. And it's... The iconography of that car in Scotland, you can't, you know, you can't resist it, can you, really? As I put in my notes, Scotland and yeah. Aston Martin, you've got to be an idiot not to make it look good. It just, all of yeah. those yeah. shots, yeah. all of those driving shots just look absolutely ravishing. You don't need to be Roger Deakins to be able to shoot that <laughs> and make it look wonderful. The DB5, however glorious it is, when they reveal it in the lockup, and you get the Bond theme. You're like, yes, this is good. His car from Casino Royale, this is where he's kept it, fine. But then suddenly, with the ejector seat button, and with all of the gadgets that we get later on, what are we saying? That in between movies, Q has put these gadgets in? Because we're supposed to have done a hard reset. Or is this supposed to be some old car from the 60s that has been passed down and suddenly we're getting into James Bond is a code name. Not It really suddenly fucks up the timeline. This is the point. This is the exact point where the producers throw it all away. I don't think the ruin starts with Spectre. I think the ruin starts with this point. It is very easy to just bat it off because it worked. the audience love it. And in Casino Royale, this is how he gets the car. He wins it in a yeah. poker game. And now you're seeing it again in a lockup because that's where he's kept it. It's the same number plate as Casino Royale, which yeah. is the same number plate as Goldfinger and the past, admittedly, right? But it's you know, it's still that we've we've hit the reset button. And in introducing all yeah. of these gadgets into a car that we're only supposed to have known for a few years, what are you doing? What are you trying to do with the franchise? And then it only makes it worse when they bring in the Aston Martin V8 from Timothy Dalton's years. Yeah, it really goes out the window. Admittedly, they don't show that to have any gadgets, but we're led to believe that it's not because the Aston Martin DB5 does. It's the same number plate as well, that one, isn't it? It's just cheap. It's just, oh, that car at the moment is quite 
well thought of again. Oh, doesn't it look nice? Let's use that one. I mean, they could, they could have, they might as well have just used the Honor Majesty's one, mightn't they? I mean, it's just, it's so on the nose by then, it's getting out of hand. In this, it's more greatest hits bomb, isn't it? Yes. It's funny you should say that for Die Another Day. I would have possibly given it a bit more respect if he'd have turned up in a DBS rather than in the VA for, yeah. for that film because of so many ties to Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Kincaid, what an absolute God. legend he is. Love him. Love him. Absolutely brilliant. And the fact that he calls M Emma because... That's yeah, the... I, that's what I said. Everyone laughed at me. It is right. He's totally it? right. Because Bond says, oh, here's Great M. Guy. But what is M to the yeah. rest of us but a shortened Emma? Yeah. <laughs> Emma. Lovely. <laughs> yeah, jumped up to that <laughs> I love Albert Finney, though. He's Albert Finney's a top-notch actor from his early days all the way through to his late stuff. It just, he is constantly bringing it to the screen. He is wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. As we said before, the barber jacket look, just top fashion look from Daniel Craig in this. He just looks absolutely wonderful. To the point where I tried to get one of those barber jackets oh. as well myself. And you just can't. Because as soon as they brought them out, it sold out. You can get a jacket that's like it, but then you've got to take it to a tailor or something and have it altered slightly so it looks a bit more as it does from the film. The whole final shootout scene at Skyfall is terrific. It's that weird mix of Home Alone and Straw Dogs. <laughs> but it, yes, it is. Yeah. It works, and it's that gear shift that the film needed. Because where can you take it after the chase in the underground and the shootout and everything being so public and large? Well, yeah. You've suddenly got to go. You can't go bigger. You've got to go more. No, I agree. Yeah. You've got to go more isolated. Good reverse, reverse finale where it goes more small, low-key, personal, because that's the story it needs to tell. And it doesn't It doesn't make sense. Why would Bond just drive to the middle of nowhere on his own and fail his mission to to keep, you know, to keep her alive. Yeah. But again, it works for the story they're telling. It works. It absolutely works. Throughout the whole sequence, we get little bits of the Bond backstory mythos laid out for us. Oh, how he hid in the secret passage for two days and he came out a man. Uh, you see the gravestone yeah. where his parents are buried and all the rest of it. Wayne Manor. Very much so, Wayne Manor. It has <laughs> all of those elements to it. Throughout all of this sequence, it is beautifully beautifully shot and it has an aesthetic all of its own if you could have this sequence in the pierce brosnan years it would have been bright and garish and you would have seen everything <laughs> whereas this sequence how it's shot is in silhouette and it just works everything looks mysterious and at the right point when i mean i've written down fuck yes what an explosion helicopter yeah. careers into the building i mean first in first off the gas canisters explode and that looks big and bright and then suddenly when the helicopter comes in it's even more so and you get it from a distance and from multiple angles and it just lights up the darkness it's wonderful i've often thought that the exploding hangar at the beginning of octopussy was one of the best explosions Oh, yeah. The franchise. Not just from the bright yeah. red and orange of the explosion, but from the way all of the bits of the warehouse yeah. sort of fly off. But this, when the helicopter crashes in, even the look on Silver's face, he's like, oh, shit, this really is 
this could kill me too. And it blows everything yeah. apart. It's absolutely wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. Love it. I'm loving the enthusiasm for it, Chris. It's in this sequence where Roger Deakins really does show that he knows what he's doing. Because as I just said, in other hands, maybe it would have been overlit. Whereas with this, it's all got that feeling of natural light. There is no other light source except for the explosion, except for the searchlights. It's so dark, but you still know what's going on. It's really handled magnificently. Much like the caviar factory scene. Well, there's no... no. (laughs) (laughs) The ending of the film, do you... How do you how do you sort of deal with all that? Are you really satisfied by the end? I mean, there's there's not only the death of M. There's the way it's sort of like it's Bond Batman on the you know on the top of the roof, and then I just love how it's all back to all the elements are in place. A bit like you'll laugh. I've said this before, but the end of Revenge of the Sith, where every every character is in almost in set in place yeah. to glue into a new hope. It does feel like that. It's just a shame we couldn't have continued on that vein because it is you know he's back to work isn't yeah. it, an M. It, we haven't touched on Ray Fiennes at all who I think is perfectly cast and perfectly in the background until he's needed until he's brought forward as M. because you meant to think he could be a villain aren't you you meant to think he could be a, a sort of Andrew Scott type yeah one of those could be, smarmy, you know, in, yeah. uh white hall Svengali's yeah. who's yeah out to bring it all down. But no, he has honourable... He's got service, he's done service, hasn't he? And then you sort of think, hang on, this guy's actually... He's yeah, all right. We're with him. I think the ending is handled as it should be. I don't think there was any sort of need for a proper fist fight between Silver and Bond. There's so much drama in the gun on both their heads that getting the stab in the back and the way that he screams... Oh, it's horrible. Javier Bardem's acting in this is so good in the 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 scream out and then collapsing. It's wonderful. It is, correct me if I'm wrong, the only time that the villain succeeds in his mission. Yeah, I know, I know. It's suppose you could say that the wider bits of blowing up things and everything, he, he would would he have gone on to do even worse things? I don't know. Does any of that does Bond stop any of it? Because he doesn't help M in the end, does he? No. Silver's always been out to get M. It's everything else is collateral. While Bond in, is in his way, when he sees them on the ice lake, he could easily quite kill Bond, shoot him yeah, there, of course, yeah. but he doesn't. Mother's calling. Yeah, he knows his target is over there, so he walks away from him. So He dies not knowing she dies, though, doesn't he? That's quite interesting. Or does he? <laughs> no, you're right in that. He know, he dies not knowing whether he has succeeded or not, but ultimately he does. But then it's weird because it's the most <laughs> likable we've seen Daniel Craig. You know, as bo- his bond is extremely likable by this time, isn't it? He is. He's caring for her. In the, he's, in yeah. the final third, yeah. And the end, he's, he's so upbeat with Money Penny and then M, and it's, I've had a disaster of a mission. I've never felt better. Bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> the glorious failure. It only get better. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Is is definitely. So, yeah. And then his rooftop scene. I would say gazing out over Whitehall, Union Jack's fluttering. That has got to be his Spy Who Loved Me parachute moment. As far as the embracing of Bond and patriotism and the hero element. With Roger Moore, we got that at the beginning of the film, and it was. 
almost a campy, jokey kind of element. <laughs> With this, it's very serious, but it's still... Who goes and stands on a rooftop and looks out over a vista like that? It's still got a little bit of the fantasy about it, but there is the patriotism and there is the hero ready for yeah. the mission. That is his most Roger Moore Bond we're going to get. Do you think the gun barrel could have been at the start? No. Well, <laughs> he's still not Bond until the end. No, 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 no. It's not. It's not. A, it's yeah, not. Yeah, a, yeah, he's yeah. not Bond. It's a because he was Bond at the beginning of Casino Royale. That worked. That yeah. really worked. Yeah. Where he turns around and shoots him in the bathroom. Putting it at the end of Quantum is just a, an aesthetic choice, as we discussed. Yeah. Really, the gun barrel should have come when he's hanging off the scaffolding and he falls up. Absolutely. That should have been the cue to the gun barrel. Yeah. Does it really fit when he's falling off of the falling off of the? <laughs> yeah. No. He wouldn't. No. He wouldn't. It, you're absolutely right. Maybe they, then. Maybe <laughs> they should have just stuck it at the beginning, and you have the gun barrel, exactly. and then he walks down the corridor into focus as the very first shot. That could have worked. But it's it is punch the air stuff at the end. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And then when he says, Oh yeah, ready for my next mission, with pleasure, and you get the fiftieth anniversary yes. little gun barrel yeah. sign. But then you think, heartbreakingly <laughs> that was the We had it so good. Yeah, um, that we had it so good and that was the fiftieth. And between then and now, as the sixtieth, we've had two films. Two masterpieces though, Chris. Come on. What? <laughs> Free both of us. Free both of us. With the same bullet. Do it. Do it. Only you can do it. Do it. Rat standing. Double O seven. What took you so long? Oh, I got into some deep water. Where does Skyfall rank in your in your Craigs and then in your overall sort of pantheon of the Bond film? In the Craigs, I think it's got to be up there. 
it's I think it it fights regularly with Casino Royale for number one spot. I think more often than not it probably wins because Casino Royale is too serious a yeah. Bond film. Whereas this is it's Sunday afternoon. It is, yeah. Let's knock on Skyfall, go on and have a bit of f- it's a bit more fun. Where it ranks overall, cripes. Oh right, you've got the Hang on. <laughs> It's a fluid list though, isn't it? In many ways. It is a fluid list. Thanks to the sorter app, it actually it exists. All right. So a few years ago, Skyfall ranked at 18. Oh, right. Well, that's... <laughs> but then, when I did it at the beginning of this year, it ranked at number eight. Right. Well, they are fluid then, aren't they? That's quite a... That's quite a jump. ...turn up, isn't it? I enjoy it. And I think probably create the most fun Craig seems to be having. And he really embraces the role fully as getting into that, the bond that which we grew up with. Rather than okay, forget the first twenty minutes. Forget that. Yeah. Well, he, well, no. In the pre-titles, he's fine. It's great in the that. pre-titles. It's just that moody oh, sequence oh, out in the Far East. Yeah. It's like, what? What are you doing? Why are you? Yeah. You shouldn't be here. It'd be better if he'd have been captured again, or if it had been well, some sort of easier. of the day was too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I enjoy it, and I'm, I am looking forward to watching it again now. And you, there's loads to talk about with it. There's loads of themes. There's, there's some really good performances. That, yeah, you know, got to say, most of the Bond films, the casting is spot on. It really is. The, the, they occasionally get it wrong, but with this again, there's nothing. There's no one you change. I think it, it goes almost without saying these days that getting the new money penny in Q. We haven't really mentioned Q. <laughs> it's a great move, isn't it? And people have embraced both of them. If it wasn't for Bond dying, I wish they could stay, you know. Generally, I think it's interesting that you separate the first 20 and these last five. Certainly for the more lay cinema goer, let's say, who, oh, there's yeah. a Bond film. Let's go and see that. And just has it as a Friday night piece of entertainment. Whereas for the rest of us, it forms part of a much wider story and a much yeah. wider experience. So to keep them separate from this five, especially when this five is a hard reset, this is its own little bubble. And that is the Bond legacy as the rest of us know it. Is that how it needs to be treated going forward? I guess when the new films are released, then we'll know. Is that going to be another hard reset or are we going to pick up pick up the story from uh, from the end of Octopussy? Who can tell? Skyfall is a bit of a... It's the outlier in the five, isn't it? Because the first two are linked and the last two are linked. It's almost a soft reboot. The Aston Martin is part of that. But if any of them can fit within the other 20, it's this one, isn't it? I think. Yes. Classic sort of Bond throw it on. The family will love it, young and old. There's plenty for everyone. Well, certainly in that regard, this follows the Connery films in that the first two are linked, the last two are linked. Yeah. And Goldfinger stands out on its own because all of the others are are spectre-based and that is an independent. If you want to take the Craig films, if you take Skyfall out and run Casino Royale through to No Time to Die... Does it work better? Yeah, and that scene with Silver's face in the... Yeah, edit that out as well. And then does actually the whole thing form a more cohesive... Yeah, they knew that sort of quantum had sort of ended people's interest in following them on one after another. So we need to do something a bit more one-off-y. But we're still in an age of cinema where we have to have high stage, we have to have personal characters and development. And this was the result of that, I think. Introducing the new, the new, you know, the classic characters, having a classic villain, classic car, and then 
ending on a real high as to well, you know we can we can just do a normal Bond film. Yeah, but do they? I think they would have done if it wasn't for the the Spectre rights. Yeah. I really do. I think I think that's what it was too easy to just do. right. We've got to use that now. We've waited so many years for this. Let's use it. Oh, Christoph Waltz. Oh, he'd be brilliant once he right. Let's do this. It's the Jeff Goldblum, isn't it? Jurassic Park quote. That, just because you could doesn't you know? mean you should. Doesn't mean you should. But that is next week and Spectre strikes again yes. it's been another brilliant chat about Skyfall 10 years on that seems quite interesting as well it hasn't uh, aged I don't think I think it still looks beautiful it's it stood up very well it's on the small or the big screen but we will be back I hope for Spectre sure it'll be really positive <laughs> strap yourselves in it's going to be a bumpy ride <laughs> you know we've never formally been introduced oh well my name's Eve Eve Moneypenny. Well, I look forward to our time together, Miss Moneypenny. Me too. I'm sure we'll have one or two close shaves. Morning, Dollar Seven. Good morning, Tanner. He'll see you now. How's the arm, sir? What? Oh, it's fine. It'll get better. All pretty shocking for someone unused to field work. So, 007. Lots to be done. Are you ready to get back to work? With pleasure, M. With pleasure. Infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim. Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.